What up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. My name is Carl, and I'm excited to be rocking with you guys for yet another episode. It is Black History Month, and yes, if you are tuning in, then you probably know that I took some time off in January for some mental health awareness for myself and for others around me and just to put more time and focus into making sure I'm ready to jump right into season five of the Black Expat Podcast. And I wanted to wait until Black History Month to start season five because, you know, history and such. And it's kind of ironic that this is the start of season five, why you ask. If you follow me on my social medias, if you don't already, please make sure you do that. Instagram, the black underscore expat, the same on Twitter and Facebook. It is the black expat podcast 23. The same thing on Medium where my articles are as well. But recently I celebrated on one platform, Podbean, my 5,000th episode. Sorry, 5,000th download, right? 5,000 downloads. Now I know if you do, those of you maybe listening may not understand the, you know, how big that is, but that's a pretty big deal for me. I got started with Podbeam only in September. So I haven't been on this platform as long as I've been on Apple Music and on Spotify and other platforms. So only since September. And if you've been following me, then you know that September is when I decided to go full throttle into podcasts. And so from September to January, I was doing eight episodes per month. I was doing four interviews and four solo podcasts per month. I was doing features, this, that, and the third, all of these amazing things. And I was fundraising for my podcast so that I would be able to continue to have as many episodes, as many interviews, and reach as many expats as I was able to reach uh, through my Patreon. So if you haven't already, click on Become a Patron if you're on Podbean. It's in the app. If you're not on Podbean, then make sure you go ahead and click the link in this description. It'll take you to my Patreon. Again, you don't have to give a lot. I'm looking to get 1,000 people to give $1 so that I am able to continue putting out this content and connecting with many other expats. And for those of you guys who said, hey, what do the Patreon funds go to? It costs about $250 to edit each episode that I put out, which is another reason why I kind of slowed down a little bit, as well as uh, some of the charities I work with and just for me, right? I want this to be my full-time job in order to get there. I need more patrons. I need more sponsors. And I need more of you sharing listening and loving the episode that I put out. So again, thank you to everyone who is already a patron, those of you guys who are thinking about it. And hey, just take a second, a dollar a month, not that much, not that bad. Go ahead and submit it in the patron link that is linked in this podcast description. And if you're on paid, if you're on Podbean already, it should be a, a link for you to click to just go right into it and become a patron of the podcast that I hope you love and enjoy as much as I love and enjoy making it, right? So when I saw it, I didn't even realize, I'm like, man, 5,000 downloads. And to think, I got 5,000 downloads on Monday. And by Wednesday, I'm at 5,500 downloads. So I've been going, uh, again, in many ways. And for some people, like, man, 5,000 is not that much. You don't even got 5,000 YouTube subscribers. But um, it is. It, it, it's a big deal. That means 5,000. And this is 5,000 unique downloads. 5,000 unique people wanted to listen to what I had to say and then came back a second time. So again, thank you guys so much for, uh, for listening and for tuning in. And I hope to bring you guys more amazing content. Also, this month, if you guys didn't know, uh, I am dedicating my YouTube series and my YouTube channel to uh, an experience that changed my life a lot. Um, and it's a celebration of Black history from my perspective. And it's a time that I spent in Kenya with myself, my cousin, shout out to you, Lynette, if you check out this episode, and Stephanie and my best friend, 
and travel partner and business partner, uh, Patrick Springer. And I highlighted that for a very specific reason that I'm going to get into later. But if you want to check out the videos, I'll be putting up four to five videos per week of my journey through Kenya. The first five videos are already up along with my tribute to Black history on my YouTube channel. And I want to make sure I dedicate this podcast to talking about me as an expat and my expat Black history. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? What do you mean you're Black history? And I think we can all agree that Black people living today, pretty much any and everything that we do uh, is a staple of history, right? It's some sort of history because of everything that we've been through um, and how our history and culture has been destroyed over the years, not just in America, but in many places throughout the world. So I want to make sure that this month I'm highlighting the amazing feats and features, not just of myself, but of other Black people who are out here in the world doing great things. Again, I will be on Expat Chats as a featured guest and a speaker uh, this upcoming Friday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, February 13th in America. Uh, So make sure you guys check that out. It'll be on my Instagram live. I'll be going live with an amazing Black woman who created the Expat app. And I think they are somewhere near 2,000 subscribers. But it's an amazing app for Black expats to share stories, to connect to network, to provide job opportunities, and to ask and answer any questions that you may have about anywhere you want to live in the world. And what's amazing about the app is that anyone, any Black expat or or someone who's seeking to become an expat can sign up. There's communities you can join for specific places, countries, cities, and towns that you want to go to specifically in another country. And if you can't find it there, there's somebody in that group that you can actually go in and say, hey, do you know someone who's here? Can you connect me? And you will be connected. Now, I know what you're thinking, but maybe you're not thinking this. I know I said that too much. I'm going to keep saying it, though. Yeah, there are Facebook groups for that too. But you know, Facebook is uh it's it's tricky. You actually have to go, you know, you have to take the time out to invest in signing up and keeping an app on your phone. If you, those of you guys who care about your storage space and probably have millions and millions of apps, understand exactly what that means, right? You're not just gonna give your email address and phone number and make a bio and all that stuff or something that you're not going that you aren't planning on keeping up with. And I think that's the benefit of people who actually sign up and join and are part of the app. And it's much like Facebook, except a safe space for us is moderated very well. And you get to introduce yourself, share your business, show your photos, and they highlight us, right? An app for us. I know like Facebook is an app, but it's not an app for us. It's an app for everyone. And we just take advantage and use the space as we want to and as we can. But the collaborations that have come out from this, again, the app is called X, the letter X, P-A-T, Expat app. It's just, it's just astonishing and it's amazing. And I'm just so very honored and thrilled to be interviewed by the amazing woman, uh, founder and CEO of the app, uh, Shar, uh, I'm so excited to interview and speak with her this upcoming Sunday. Um, she'll be interviewing me, but I definitely want to slide some questions in about how she created it. And hopefully she joined my podcast. We're going to talk more about it because, again, it's just a great thing. And again, this is just a part of history, right? I think it it may not be the first app, you know, first black expat app, um, but it's one that I found to be the best so far. And it's been utilized, you know, in the right ways and doing some amazing things. So again, another moment in Black history from an amazing Black woman who I think is headed back to Portugal where she lives after a short stint back at home in America. So again, just amazing things in Black expat history that we're doing, not just for ourselves, for people back home and all over the world who are searching for community in foreign places, right? So my personal expat Black history. And again, if you've been following, you probably know some of these things I'm going to talk about, but I want to speak about them in a very different way, um, using my experience in Kenya to kind of highlight them. Because 
when I went to Kenya, uh, one thing that I say often when people ask me, oh, what's the best place you've been? I always lead with Kenya, right? The place I want to retire is New Zealand, right? I love it. It's healthy, clean air. You can drink water right from the rivers. People are respectful. It's clean. It's open. It's beautiful. It's English. Like that's important for me too, right? That's where I want to retire or where I can spend the majority of the second half of my life, you know, once I'm 50 on, right? Once my kids are able to take care of themselves, walk, talk, and all that. I don't have kids yet. But when I get them, that's how I envision them finally being 15 and being able to take care of themselves. But, you know, when I got off the plane in Kenya, right? The feeling that I had uh, seeing everyone that looked like me. Now, mind you, from America, from Chicago, there's still very few places, right? Even if you're in the quote-unquote hood, you'll still see a Mexican face, a Latino face, a white face, uh, a a Middle Eastern face, a Chinese face, an Asian face, Right, you'll still see different types of people in our communities, whether they're running the gas stations, the liquor stores, the convenience stores, the supermarkets, things like that. You see that. But in Kenya, it was legit off the plane. People on the plane were black, Kenyan, African. There, and once we got off, everybody was black, Kenyan, African, and us, you know, little black Americans sprinkled in there. But it was just an amazing feeling, right? Like everyone I saw, there was not a white person, Asian person, Latino person in sight. I'm not saying that because I don't like those people, right? It's fine. But they have their spaces where they can go and it's all white, just white, white, white. All Latino, just Latino, 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 and all Middle Eastern, just Middle East. Like, like they have that. They have those spaces. We don't have very many of them, right? Especially coming from where I come from in America. So it was so gratifying to be in that space, to get in a cab run by a black person, to drive down the street during the day. Everybody on the billboards were black. And I don't take that for granted for a second. I'm pretty sure that does not exist in many spaces in America. Every billboard was black. Every advertisement was black. African, you know, I don't want to misquote, but like skin color, black, all black people. Like it was a feeling unlike any other. And I felt connected to this space and this place in a different way. And oftentimes being expats, no matter where you live, you know, unless you live in Africa, from in my opinion, like I know me being here in Taiwan, speak for myself in Taiwan, I've kind of taken for granted, you know, that I how foreign I am here and how foreign I feel sometimes here because I've gone accustomed to my way of life here. But culturally it's not, I won't say where I belong, but it's not where I'm most comfortable, where I'm most accustomed to being. I'm okay. I am comfortable. I am okay. But how much better would it feel if everyone here was black that looked like me and I had the same opportunities to do what I want to do, how I want to do it in those spaces. And that is available in Africa. I know that, right? Uh, My background with Chinese and all that led me to be here and stay here in Taiwan for as long as I have been. But again, that was a moment in black history for me, my black history and expats black history, finally taking the time out to travel to the motherland, to Africa, to Kenya in particular, because that's where I trace my lineage back to. But again, when I'm thinking about traveling to Kenya, this wasn't something that I immediately thought about, right? Like, oh my God, I can't wait to see the black billboards. Oh my God, I can't wait to have that feeling of everybody's black. That's not what I was thinking about when I was traveling, when I was planning to go, right? Like I was I was interested in, you know, the 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 camping and the hiking we were going to do and the safaris we were going to do and the food we were going to eat. In the nightlife. But I remember going out, you know, the very first night there. And I have a whole podcast dedicated to my experience there, but I'm just going to touch on, you know, expat black history moments for me that were most memorable and most touching that I can connect with, right? Because that's what history is. It's moments that stand out 
for you, for the world, right? Moments that you really and truly connect with. Moments that, you know, that that take you somewhere, right? That you're like, man, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. And me as an expat, this is part of my Black expat history, right? Seeing the billboards. And then, you know, nightlife. We, we went out at night. And again, it's just going out and all the live music bands, several different bands were Black, African, Kenyan, right? Just beautiful brown people everywhere. And everyone that came on, I like the music. Like, imagine that. Again, as an expat, and even as someone living in America, when you go to live music, you kind of take for granted if you're going to hear music that you actually want to dance to, that you'll actually enjoy. And I know none of the words, but I knew those rhythms. I knew that beat. Everybody on stage was dancing, had a little vibe going. People were drinking, looking at us because we still look quite foreign, you know, the way that we were dressed. We were getting prepared. We were backpacking, so we didn't have a huge array and selection of clothes. I didn't have fancy shoes or slacks or nothing like that. But, you know, we don't look bad, but, you know, we weren't dressed dressed to the nines like we could have been. But it's like, it's just that that feeling, that experience, like, man, everybody here is brown. Like, I felt it's just, it's a different experience that I'll never forget how it felt just to be, you know, a part of that. And to take all that in, surround the people that I love, right? Family, my cousin, Patrick, his cousin was just something that I never, you know, thought I would experience. So when I, when I, when I think back to what I've been able to do and things I've been able to accomplish in, you know, Taiwan and as being a part of living here as a black man, right? As a black person, something that I carry with me everywhere and in everything that I do, especially with the goals that I have and things that I, that I hope and I want to accomplish in my life as I continue, you know, to move forward and continue to try to do things. The first thing is when I first came to Taiwan, right? Only black person teaching at a school, right? The only black person there. Now I was fortunate because there was another black person before me that was in my a similar role, not the same. There was also a teacher, but he was under the table. He was you know, lighter complected than I was, right? And he was a much bigger, like not your average looking, you know, like he was swole, like he was a professional bodybuilder, which again, just, that's not your average looking person, not just black person, but your average person isn't a bodybuilder. But you know, when I came in, I was the only black person. And that carried a lot, uh, a lot of different feelings and emotions that aren't really relevant to what I'm talking about. But again, it, it they were there. The feelings, the emotions, the the feeling out of place, the man, I wish I miss not just the food, but the culture was there. I had friends that I went to college with that were there, but you know, it, it wasn't the same as having my black friends and other people from my high school and from my college that I grew up with that understand my slang and my vernacular and all that, right? That just wasn't it wasn't there. Um, but a moment in black history for me is that, you know, after the first year, parents were like, Oh, yeah, black guy, I don't understand. But like, then it was like, Oh, okay, well, he's an amazing teacher. My kids love him. We don't and then, so when it came time for me to hire another black teacher, which ended up being my best friend, Patrick, right, met with far less opposition, if you will, from parents and even from the staff and from the principal and all that, because of the experience that I and people before me or that one guy before me was able to create, right, kind of breaking down those barriers and saying, hey, y'all, we're really good teachers. We're not like what you see on TV. Again, and that's not our job to explain that. I understand all the problems with that, but right now I'm just talking about black history and moments that were big, right? My expat black history. And it was like, man, I was able to hire another black man within a year's time of being here, which paved the way and opened doors for me to eventually have an all black staff in Taiwan in a field 
where it's still to this day difficult for black teachers, no matter what your background, what country you come from, to be employed. So it started with me, you know, and one other before me, then with me, then with Patrick coming and being amazing in every way at his job and beyond, but also doing and creating things and creating the spaces and having the conversations so that people know, hey, there's going to be more of us and we are amazing, right? We're, we're beyond amazing. There will be more of us. We're beyond amazing. This is what you want at your institution. To then being able to say in the same breath, hey, I am going to have an all-Black staff, all-Black American, we have one from America, Caribbean, South America, all-Black staff, all-Black team in Taiwan, of all places in Taiwan, in Asia, where again, it's still difficult for us to find jobs if they see our photo first. Again, that is, and it's not everywhere. It's, it's present, like racism everywhere. We all know that. It's present. But again, that's a moment in my expat black history that I will never forget. And now they'll look back on, I understand the impact and the power behind that moment. And I have such a bigger appreciation for the people that were with me and allowed me to create that space for us and that moment for us and do that for us because it's everlasting, right? It's powerful. And I never want to take that for granted. And I think what's most memorable about, you know, when I think about having an all black staff is that when I first came to Taiwan as a black man, I didn't meet many other people that were black for a while, right? I think the first friend I actually had was Patrick, whom I hired and brought over. And then the first group of Black people that we formally met, like in person, had a conversation with, was at a Snoop Dogg concert here, right? And it was two Black women there. One had a big afro, name was Saida. She also helped us choose our Black dog, Ava. Love Ava. So Ava's going on nine years old. Her birthday is February 14th. But another was Moonbeam, who was actually at the bar the other night, the bar that we own out here, um, at the bar the other night with her friends. And we always, it's always fun, funny when they ask, hey, how did you guys meet? Well, yeah, we met at a Snoop Dogg concert. And we were like, hey, you black. I was like, oh man, you black too. Let's be friends. And we've been friends ever since. But that was definitely, you know, like a moment where kind of put everything together. Like, man, this is actually, and at the time, you just don't really think about it like that. Like, man, this is, this is a black historical moment in Taiwan. Like two black Single black man met two single black women at a Snoop Dogg concert. It's a funny story, but it's like, man, how else? Again, Facebook wasn't a big thing back then. The technology was very used very, very differently. So I'm like, how else would you find out there were other black people here? A moment in black history, right? It should be like a television show. But yeah, that's just one of the, you know, one of the, the, the gratifying moments, uh, like in my expat black history that I had here. And also being like one of the first black expat black directors at a private school, you know, having the first black group of men here and women to put together um, an international college fair at a local school here. Like those are just black moments in my ex-black black history that really stand out because these are meaningful things that we're working so hard to do. In addition to creating opportunities for other people to come and experience Taiwan and to live and work here and to travel the world and to do different things. So what what spurred from you know our stint in education and working at the schools we worked at and partnering with the people that we were able to partner with came CP Travels, right? And the reason why, you know, and again, I use Kenya as, you know, a resource. The reason why we started CP Travels in 2014 
was because at that point, before I went to Kenya, we'd been traveling to maybe 30 countries and everywhere we went. And again, it's not saying that there aren't black people out there because now we know because of Facebook and all these other things that connect us, the expat app, all these things that are connecting us as black expats. Now we know we're everywhere. Back then we had no idea. So when we made CP Travels, we were like, man, we're tired of traveling. Like it's fun traveling and getting to know different people from different cultures, different cultural backgrounds. But we had been to you know, 10, 20, 30 countries and it met a handful of black people. And far less, like maybe one or two that were actually our age. We were 22, 23, 24, 25 years old traveling and living like this. So when I'm recruiting black people to come work in Taiwan, I'm like, man, you're young. You just graduated college. Get out here and see the world. Like home going to be there. It ain't going nowhere. You can always go back. Bay ain't going nowhere. She want to come. She can come out here too. Uh, he can come out here too. You know, like whatever it takes. But man, we were like, hey, we need to create something to share our story, not just to share our story, but to empower people to get out and see the world, but people that we know who aren't doing that. And in many ways, you know, we've known people who've shared with us and we've talked to and we've took on trips to different countries through our travel company, CP Travels. We have reached and touched and inspired people the same way we've been reached and touched and inspired by people that we have met, the few that we did meet while traveling. Like, man, yeah, we need to be, we need to do more of this, not just us in this space, in this room, in this moment, but more of us globally, more of us from America, right? More Black people who are you know, just in one location and haven't left to go anywhere outside, you know, the immediate area of America or even outside of the cities and things like that. Like these things are important. So when we started CP Travels, uh, it started as a blog, as a vlog series. We would record what we did and we would write about it and then just share it. Then it was like, you know what? Let's plan trips. We need to plan trips for people and go with them to kind of convince them because we found just showing them pictures of, of it and telling them about it, it just wasn't working. It's like, you know what? You don't believe us when we say Taiwan is super cheap to live in. People still haven't visited me because they think it's super expensive. Like You don't believe us when we say you go to Thailand and cabs are like 25 cents and street food is like $1.50 and beers are like $2, but for good ones. And mixed drinks are super affordable and housing is too. You don't believe us. So like, hey, come with us. We'll plan it for you. You don't have to do anything. We'll show you. And that's how much we believed. Again, a moment in my Black expat history, we believed in the experience of leaving and seeing different things and learning about different things, how impactful it can be in your life. And that's not to say everyone's going to leave the country and say, oh, I want to pack up and go to a different place. No, 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 no. We understand that's not everyone's truth or everyone's goal or everyone's mission or everyone's desire or passion. But it is to say that it will change your way of thinking about where you are, how you want to live, the lifestyle that you want to have, right? And I know it's done that for me in many ways, as I talk about on this podcast, and I hope it's done the same for others. So I have these moments, you know, in my Black history, it's getting to Taiwan, hiring more Black people, meeting Black people at a Snoop Dogg concert, then starting to travel to different countries, realizing, that, hey, I'm not seeing a lot of us out here. What can I do about it? Let's do something about it. Let's be proactive about it. Let's be interracial about it. Let's stay positive about it. Let's not shoot down someone else's experience and opportunities because we've been able to do these things, right? Let's understand what they've done and why it's so impactful and powerful and empowering and learn from it and build with them to encourage others to know, hey, not only is being an expat or traveling the world an option, this over here, staying here, building up, franchising a Chick-fil-A, you know, in Chicago, in your neighborhood is also an option. And I say that because 
of a good friend of ours, went to college with him, a mentor of mine, franchised a Chick-fil-A in Chicago. A black man, a black family, a black man and a black woman with a beautiful black baby, right? So again, moments in my black history as an expat, things I've seen, things I've done, but these moments that I'm never gonna forget are always gonna be with me. Like the moment I spent six months in Taiwan writing my first book. Again, the reason behind it, why? People are like, man, your story, it's weird how you ended up in Taiwan. Like it wasn't, it's weird. Not, it's, it was weird how I ended up in Taiwan. It's even more weird how I stayed in Taiwan for as long as I have been. Writing that book was a big moment for me. Why? I had to be inspired to write it. In an, in an atmosphere where there wasn't that many of us. And you, and you wouldn't even think, oh, what, like, how does that impact your writing? Because man, your environment comes out in your writing. Right? And I didn't focus nearly enough, in my opinion, on my experience as a black person. But I think, not to go, that to be the whole focus of the book. But I need to share how that shaped my perspective and my experience. It made it either better. In some ways, it made it better. And in some ways, it made it worse. But that perspective is needed. I think, finally, the last thing that I kind of want to touch on, like in my black history, and why it's important for you know black expats to really step back and reflect on the moments that you've had out here. Again, not just the good. Like there have been several bad experiences I've had, right? That are part of my history. And, you know, having, like, again, I shared it with working at the school and them saying they didn't know how they felt about having a black teacher. Parents said that. Kids didn't care. Kids don't. It really didn't matter to the kids. As long as I was nice to them and taught them and they learned, they're fine with anybody. But their parents can say something that changes their perspective in a heartbeat. Dealing with that, a moment in my black history, realizing that, hey, it's it's some racism out here still. Again, I didn't leave America to escape that racism, but I definitely thought I was getting further away from that type of racism that I would have to experience, right? Not saying that I wouldn't experience it, but saying that hopefully it wouldn't be as bad or as obvious as it is in America. One thing I will say, at least is it is more blatant and obvious and very direct with you as opposed to America or in corporate America, you'll get subtle hints of it. It'll come out in different ways and you may not even know you're being discriminated against, you know, and in, in corporate America. But in Taiwan, they were like, nah, he black. That's weird. We didn't know black people could teach. And old parents who never left the country, who housewives who just stay in the house, pick up the kids, go home. 60, 70 year old people. Right? Again, it's not an excuse. It's still ignorance. It's still very, very racist. But again, context is context is important as well. But yeah, like those moments, you know, that we have as black expats in our history. Um, is worth sharing, which again is in large part why, as I build up to the last two things, I created this podcast. Right? I talk about it I'm like, yeah, I was struggling with writing my second book. I didn't know what to focus on and which way, how to frame it, like what perspective I wanted to share, and why would people want to come back and listen to what I have to say? Good question, right? Why do people want to tune in and hear what I have to say? And, you know, when I started it, I, I think I started with. Uh, just my experience in teaching and the transitions I was going through and how I was working my way into CP Travels and the countries I had been to. And then as I, the more I talked about it, the more and the more episodes I had and the more I put out, the more I realized how necessary, not just my perspectives were, but the perspectives that I had the privilege of sharing on behalf of others because they entrusted me with that knowledge and with their experiences. And then I built up, you know, the skill and the ability and the confidence because again, it's scary interviewing people right? When you have no experience at all. So then bring them on and talk about, have them sh want and feel comfortable enough to share these perspectives with me in a genuine way, right? Not looking for, because when I started, there was nothing, I mean, there still is like, 
there was no uh less people were using social media as a way to produce and to gain revenue and income right here's what i mean by that everyone wasn't an influencer or i have this i want to talk about or if i think if i do this podcast then it'll highlight my brand in some way so before and i'm and nothing against that i'm just saying before when i first started doing interviews it was just more oh, I, I would love to share my story we ain't talking about nothing else like i wasn't talking about my patreon none of those things it was oh, i would love to share my story Right. And I was like, man, I I really, really love sharing my story, but I really, really love connecting and hearing more stories. And I want to put that information out there because I see how it changed me and how my little stories, you know, helped others and how me talking to them helped me. I want to keep doing that. That is why I need patrons. That is why I want patrons. That is why I want to monetize. Right. Yeah. The money's great because you need that to survive. But the work that I am doing my black history as an expat matters for my community but it's bigger than me right not everyone one has a platform wants a platform or wants to use a platform to share these things that's not everyone's calling but it is my calling right and i firmly firmly believe that so when i talk about things like you know people uh when, when I when I share, when I talk and I have my podcast and I'm talking about things, you know, like it comes from a very passionate place for me. It's personal now. When I podcast, it's personal, right? And, and not in, a, you know, in an angry or in an aggressive sense or like I'm ready to fight somebody over my podcast, but I care about what I say, what I put out there. Like I really edit out things that may sound controversial. I want to be not necessarily called out on things. But I want to have discussions and dialogue about something that may not sit well with someone like uh did you think about it in this way which is why i love interviews because people have like hey how about you try thinking about this in this way and i've been enlightened and i've been inspired but then i can take that and what i've learned and then push it put it out there share it with more people right you know a lot of people who you know talk about things you know just the sake of just talking and that's good right sometimes just want to listen to stuff without having a big meaning and a purpose behind that and i have plenty of episodes like that where it's just laughing and have a good time i'm gonna have a lot more episodes like that coming up in the not too distant future so make sure you check out future episodes but man this podcast another moment in my expat black history my black history as an expat was this podcast and in just four years i've reached close to 500,000 unique downloads. In just five months on one platform, I got 5,000 downloads, unique downloads, new downloads. That's breathtaking, that's amazing, that's humbling, that's honorable, and it just reminded me, you know, because again, it's been hard with COVID uh, and being out here and away from family, it's been difficult, but it definitely re-inspired me, got me back on my A game, reminded me, hey, what you're doing has merit. You need to be doing it. There's purpose behind it. Don't give up. Keep going. And the last thing, my expat black history, was opening the bar. And, you know, we had traveled to so many countries, been in so many different places. And me and Patrick were like, man, we like drinking. We like talking. We have all these stories to share. Whenever we go to bars, we talk to bartenders because they're usually the most knowledgeable people because they meet so many different people. They know the area. Um, you know, it's because being social is part of being a bartender and a bar owner. Um, we were like, man, we want to open and own our own bar, have our own music for our people. So when our people come, they look behind the bar, they see us. And they don't, we're not behind the bar because, you know, we own it. They know that this space is controlled and managed by people that look like us. So something if there's something that the community needs, this is the place to go. Arts and Crafts Bar. Why? It's owned by two black people. 
Oh, yeah, that's why I can have a black event. I know that for sure. Oh, yeah, this is where I know I can go and hear my music. I know that for sure. This is where I can go to find out where other black people are. I know that for sure. Why? The owners are black and they push that. And we welcome everyone, right? As every other place welcomes everyone. But every other place plays music that they want to hear, right? The culture that they want to embrace, right? We need it. We deserve that as well. Because something that bothered me was, you know, there's a club in Taiwan uh, up north, not where I am. It was like a twerk party. I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be, you know, black women because that's that's our thing. Black men and women. Bunch of Asian. I was not. It was not. It was not that. I'll just say that it was not that. Took me by surprise. I was like, ooh, this is this is this is interesting. What happened in my establishment. Right. But being able to say that like that. That is powerful. So now, again, you know, with COVID and everything, we hit a huge setback. So when I'm fundraising for the Black Expat, so become a patron, click become a patron, link in the description. It's not just for that. It's also for what we're doing here in Arts and Crafts and trying to keep the doors open and provide space. Like we've helped people, expats, Black expats who came and didn't have a place to stay. They know they can stay with us. We have five floors. We welcome them. Even during hard times where, you know, we're struggling to get back with COVID. Always open, always open doors. Events people wanted to have here, Friendsgiving, they know they can have it here no matter what, right? When uh, everything was happening with the protests and uh, back in America, we had just an open dialogue and conversation here. Black, white, whatever, you're welcome, but it's a safe space for us. So like my expat black history has humbled me every step along the way, right? You're thinking like, oh man, I took so much away from it. It was great. Yeah, it was. Don't get me wrong. Loved it. But it's humbled me. Hiring Patrick, humbling. So hard it was for me just to get here and to stay here. Having an all-black staff humbled me. Because every day I walked in, I'm like, man, I can speak how I want. They can understand my lingo. I don't have to feel like I'm a foreigner. Or I don't have to feel like I'm isolated. I don't have to change the way I speak. I'm just me. Not that I do that. I change the way I speak anyway. But, you know, I can just be me. And I know that they'll get me being me more than others would. Meeting those black girls at the Snoop Dogg concert, humbling. Because what are the odds, right? Thank God we we decided to show up to this. Thank God we were able to get to front stage because we're black. <laughs> and they just happened to be behind us. Right, right, writing my book, an honor, a privilege. But being able to share something that could potentially help and touch people who are struggling with making a decision of going abroad as a college student. Studying abroad in a place that's so foreign to them in a language that they don't really understand. Right, struggling of how to communicate with family about, yeah, I'm decided, I've decided to go to another country and study abroad or learn a different language or leave my city, leave my town, leave my home. I was able to make something humbling. Right? Starting the podcast, having terrible stage fright, having a stutter for most of my life up until my 20s when I was directing and teaching. Right? Humbling. Then opening a bar, humbling, looking around. Seeing black art on the walls, black people enjoying themselves, black people knowing that the first place they want to stop by when they come visit or come to Taiwan to live is, man, there's a black owned bar, a place I can get, even if I don't want to drink, I can get a drink. I can have honest conversations. I can ask questions that I can't ask the locals. My white friends may not understand. My Asian friends may not understand. My Latino friends may not understand. Wait, them black folk, they going to they gonna get what I'm talking about. Where y'all hair care products at? 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know which ones I mean. What the Flame Hot Cheetos then? <laughs> right? I know it sounds funny, but I really want some Flame Hot Cheetos. Send them to me if you want to. But, you know, like these things matter. And when I say my black expat history, it's not to say that my history is greater than or less than anyone else's. It's that we all have history to us. And again, you're not obligated to share it or talk about it or, or you know, go around and interview with people and, you know, just do all those. You're not required to do that. It's not something you have to do. But what I do hope is that you self-reflection on what you were able to experience, on what you were able to accomplish and how you feel, right? How accomplished you are as a black expat living in a different country or traveling to a different country or and in your home country just surviving. That is our history. Surviving, achieving, expanding, growing, creating, being us. And it's an absolute honor to be black. It's amazing. Black is great, child. And it's an even, and again, I'm always just thankful and grateful to be able to be the host of the Black Expat Podcast and be able to share my Black Expat history. So again, make sure you guys check out my YouTube. I'm doing my dedication to Kenya. Um, I'm writing some articles about it on my Medium website as well. But yeah, check out my YouTube. Got some amazing things up there. Um, Be on the lookout for my upcoming podcast with my upcoming Black guests for Black History Month. It's going to be amazing. Make sure you check those things out. And as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in for yet another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. All the way out here in Taijong, Taiwan. Make sure you guys are staying safe from COVID, wearing your mask. Uh, if you believe in getting vaccines, go ahead and get them. If you don't, wear your mask, wash your hands a little bit more. Um, and again, it's been my pleasure being on. If you have not already, subscribe to my YouTube and this podcast and become a patron of the Black Expat Podcast. Even if it's just a dollar, I appreciate that. I'm trying to get 1,000 people to donate $1 by the end of February. So there's only 20 days left. So do me a favor, share this with your friends, get them to become a patron, get them to give a dollar. If you can't give that, then give me a like and a share and a five-star review and a comment. I'm Carl, the Black Expat. We out here.